Hi, I'm Lawrence Delalio, and this episode of the Evening Standard Rugby Podcast is brought to you in partnership with QBE Business Insurance. QBE is one of the world's leading insurers, and they will help your business build resilience through risk management and insurance solutions. Hi, I'm Lawrence Delalio, host of the Evening Standard Rugby Podcast, brought to you in partnership with QBE Business Insurance. The show is available to listen to now and right up to the end of the season when the winners of the Champions Cup will be crowned at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium and the fight for the Premiership title will be decided at Twickenham. QBE is one of the world's leading insurers and they will help your business build resilience through risk management and insurance solutions. Subscribe and download now wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. ES Audio. This podcast is brought to you in partnership with Fuller's London Pride, an outstanding amber ale and the official beer of Premiership Rugby. And don't forget, you can now watch the full extended video podcast of today's show at londonpridebeer.co.uk. Support with pride and please drink responsibly. Lawrence Delalio's Rugby Podcast, supported by Fuller's London Pride, the official beer of Premiership Rugby. Hello and welcome to Lawrence Delalio's Rugby Podcast. Now, you've probably noticed that I'm not Lawrence. He's not here. He's probably on a beach somewhere or skiing somewhere. We don't quite know, really. But I'm Sarah Elgin anyway, and I'll be keeping his seat warm for one week only. And keeping me company this week is a stellar lineup of guests ready to hopefully chat about all the weekend's rugby action. First up, back from his trip to Antigua to cover the cricket. Nice work if you can get it. It's Evening Standard Sports Journalist, Will McPherson. Hi, Will. Hi, Sarah. Normally it's me getting some stick for not turning up to this podcast, but it's not actually my name in the title of the podcast. I know, what's all that about? <laughs> Only Lawrence could pull this one off. 100%. Well, I'm kind of glad he's not here because it gives me a chance to speak to you guys anyway. Um, also a very familiar and sometimes friendly face, depending on what sort of mood he's in, uh, is former Leicester England and Lions legend, Mr. Ben Kay. I don't think I've ever introduced you as a legend before, Ben. Hi Lawrence, how are you? <laughs> nice, I like what you've done with your hair. Throw it out for a change. Oh, it's going to be a long podcast. This, oh, it's going it? to be very long. So. Yeah, I know. I'm bracing myself. Uh, and last but not least, from the club podcast, two words, four quarters. It's a very happy Harlequins fan, I would have thought, after the weekend. It's Michael Woods. Hey, Michael. Hi, Sarah. How are you? I'm good. Spot the pro at podcasting with a mic in front of his face. It's usually us that get shown up by these people coming on. We have guests on and they come with all these big fancy headsets. I think that's a Nick Lee's headphone from school as well, so I better not tell them. <laughs> well, you're looking good. Well, you probably had a busy weekend, have you? Technically, I was off this weekend, but I've spent most of the weekend watching sport, men and women, international and domestic. It was actually a really good weekend of sport. I enjoyed it. Good. Okay, and Benny, you've been here then everywhere this week? I've done the miles. You've done the miles, yeah. You were moaning about it on Tuesday when I saw you. Bristol, Cardiff, Manchester, Matlock, Stratford. Nice to sleep in my own bed. The night before, I slept in a kid's bunk bed, because uh, that's the sort of rock and roll lifestyle I lead. There wasn't a kid in there, I should point out. It's just me, but <laughs> I didn't just gate crash someone's house. <laughs> I'm not feeling sorry for you anyway, given that you had a week in the Alps before it. It's your wife we should be feeling sorry for. Four kids and you've not been there for two weeks. You should always feel sorry for my wife, Sarah. You know that. 
there are many reasons why. Michael, um, we'll talk a little bit about your podcast a bit later, but um, have you recovered from the celebrations of winning the podcast awards last week? Tell us about that honour. Yeah, just about. Um, Will and I had a few beers yesterday to celebrate. Obviously, a little win down at the Brentford Stadium yesterday as well. So, yeah, it's been um, a bit of a long weekend for us. And also, I'm not at work this week, seeing as we're on school holidays. So, a few more celebrations than over the next couple of days, I should imagine. Yeah, massive congratulations. We'll talk more about that later on. So, I think we should probably start now, shouldn't we, with, uh, with the results from the weekend's action. And, Benny, you were at sale, Saracens, on Friday night. Another win for Saracens. But it wasn't all play stadium for them, really, was it? No, but they do just look comfortable at being able to get the wins in any way they can. And, you know, at no point really did you sort of feel, oh, Saracens aren't going to win this. You just sort of feel with their history and the players they've got. You know, people forget you look back on championship winning teams and you think that every game they were brilliant and they're not. It never happens like that. And you forget about the sort of poorer performances when they actually get the wins, which are probably the most important to becoming champions in the end. Yeah, well, I don't know. I've got a feeling, I don't know if you feel the same, that Mark McCall's men, they're almost just, almost, just going about their business slightly under the radar this season, aren't they? Which is ominous, I suppose, for everyone else. Yeah, it's definitely ominous. They had their year or kind of half year away in the championship. And actually, the next few weeks will be quite interesting because some of their rivals have kind of sapping matches in Europe to play. Saris are obviously in Europe, they're in the Challenge Cup rather than Champions Cup. And I think that'll be interesting to see what effect that has on them. I think we're pretty certain they're going to make the playoffs now. I think there's no doubt about that. They're probably going to get a home semi. But if they're kind of fresh and firing towards the back end of the season, having not had so much taken out of them by Europe, then they could be a real force think yeah you're nodding there Michael that's not good to hear right for a Harlequins fan every single week whenever Saris are playing you're always checking the results and just hoping they're going to slip up but you think <laughs> sail away on a Friday night you know nobody wants to go and play sail they're a horrible bunch of lads but they just seem to just grind out results they always do they just keep keep churning out wins and just desperate even when they went to the Spurs stadium didn't they, they had the big game against Bristol and you think that Bristol was somehow going to snatch something from the game and then it always ends up that Saris just keep grinding out these results and keeping us in third unfortunately Michael you must be more worried about the fact that your team team are so high up the table this year you sort of made that late charge last year and got on a run and you're almost a bit too comfortable now aren't you yeah it's it's weird we just came from nowhere last year and I think at any stage last year no one would have fancied us in the playoffs I still think that's probably the case but what the chance of us recreating a Bristol Bull in that sort of ridiculous <laughs> semi-final down there the, the, the miracle of Bristol Bull I don't think that's going to be recreated we'd have to go away to Saris and we'd have to go away to Leicester if we're going to have any chance of making it to the big dance again but you know the way we're tracking we'll see how the end of the season goes and if we're playing our best rugby I'm not sure there are many teams that will be that happy about coming up against us I often wonder Ben for players it's tougher right defending a title almost than it is to chase one that fair? Yeah, I think so. I think the league structure now changes that a little bit. So when you used to be gunning out all out for first place, that changed it. But the fact that you know other teams are ahead of Harlequins, that gives Harlequins up. Well, we're not the best team, you know, and, and that lack of pressure of being the top dogs. And that'll be interesting for Leicester as well, because you know they're obviously qualified now it'd be a, a miracle if they don't get a home semi-final but I think Europe's going to be really big for them it not just in terms of competing for it but keeping that momentum going because it would be very easy having qualified with a few weeks to spare to you know how you keep that intensity in training and, and everything else and then try and raise yourself again for when the playoffs come would it would be a bit difficult so I think Europe will be really important to Steve Borthwick some people saying will they take Europe full on or will they concentrate on the premiership and making sure that they'll absolutely take it full on because players need that. You get on a winning run, you get on a losing run and you have to keep that momentum and intensity. 
Yeah, it's a really exciting part of the season. Um, Sale-wise, though, they did get, didn't they, the losing bonus point in the end, Well, and, and we know how crucial they can be come the end of the season, especially how tight this table is this term. Yeah, absolutely. I've had Manu come off the bench and, and put in an absolutely enormous hit, as he, as he likes to, pretty much immediately, which is encouraging signs for them. I also thought Luke James at the end of that game, what an effort, that kind of mazy run. Yeah, they got the bonus point. I think, you know, they're still pretty tidy forwards. They're going to lose some of those South African guys I think I think the expectation is that that might be confirmed this week so it's a, it might be a kind of a bit of a last few weeks for that team together as it is and I reckon they're a pretty dangerous side Okay, let's move on then to Northampton and Bristol. And Saints maintaining their playoff charge. And it was fast, wasn't it? It was fast and furious. It was exhausting, the, the opening 40 minutes. Michael, did you see it? I've watched glimpses of it. And I've read a few bits about Northampton's midfield just being as good as they have been all season and really sort of putting a marker down on that chase the top four. I know that we've got to play them, I think, away at Franklin's Gardens in a couple of weeks on that Friday night. So that should be a pretty big clash as well. Well, if I Northampton quite like intriguing. I find them quite interesting because they obviously had that blip, didn't they, where they lost, was it like three or four games on the bounce? But they kind of they seem to have turned that corner again now and it's just that consistency isn't it that they're lacking because when they're good they're like really good they're great fun to watch for all the backline brilliance on the weekend my favourite driver they scored was Lewis Ludlam's unbelievable leg drive and I, I just feel like he is a completely transformed player he's such an improved player I can see why he's back in the mix with England he's actually excellent in that game at Murrayfield at the start of the Six Nations and he seems like such an influential player for them with Laws back as well and bigger post Six Nations they look like quite a handful over in the next few weeks I reckon I love Dan Bigger. He's one of my favourite players. He might need to just work on bending at the hips a bit in the tackle because there were a couple last week where he, he might have paid the price. And the last thing Saints need for the run-in is losing him for a couple of weeks with a high shot. He maybe got away with a little bit less than he should have done at the weekend. Yeah, Pat Lamb wasn't happy, was he? Like post-match, he was um, talking about this. That's not like Pat, is it? <laughs> Talking about the officiating. Where do we stand, gents, on coaches? I'm not going to say moaning, but like questioning decisions, refereeing decisions. I think rugby should take a bit of a lead on this and develop a relationship between the, the directors of rugby and the referees where the referees almost say it's okay to sort of criticise individual decisions. But I hate the whole, you're not allowed to say anything because it's just, oh, let's sweep it under the carpet. You know, if coaches are upset, the fans want to know what the coaches are thinking. Now, there's a line that you can't cross, but we can't just turn our backs on sort of controversial decisions. And you know, the referees occasionally, they'll, they'll hold their hands up and say, yeah, I made a mistake. They'll do it on the pitch and, and they're human. But I think the fans don't like it just being ignored. And I think there's probably a conversation to be had with Prem Rugby, the RFU, the clubs themselves and the referees about how they could manage that so that we're not just saying, I can't say anything because we all know what they're thinking when they say, I can't say anything. Bristol, though, gosh, they're having a, a tough old season well, aren't they? Now they've got a potential salary cap compliance issue, which they have to deal with. I think it's fair to say this isn't the kind of season that the Bears fans were expecting. No, um, and especially when you consider how different the picture looked a year ago. Bristol Bulls being mentioned, obviously they were in such a good position in that game and then ended up not getting anything out of last season. We were talking about sale players moving on. They're, they're in a similar situation, but it seems like it's really forced upon them and they're going to lose a lot of that team. But uh, it's kind of, even as a neutral, it's been, a, it's been quite an easy team to fall in love with, I'd say. They've been really fun to watch. It kind of started last year, I suppose, when they had Maylands and Earl, they're beneficiaries of the Saracen 
Allison situation. Malins and Earl were wonderful loan signings, and then they left. And even just the influence of those two, they haven't been quite as good this year. And now they're going to lose plenty more for next season. So yeah, Pat Lamb's got a job on his hands. Yeah, he has indeed. Um, okay, Exeter Bath then. Another substantial defeat for Bath at, at Sandy Park. But things, to be fair, were looking good in those early stages. They showed some attacking flair in that opening 40, Benny. It's so difficult to understand why Bath are, are struggling so much this year because they have got good players. Yeah, they've had a lot of injuries, but so have other clubs as well. You know, they have a back line that if they can keep them together, you know, is young and uber talented and you know that's going to be their big challenge I guess you know there'll be a lot of loyalty from there always is from kids that have come up through an academy system and you know there's a there's a couple that have got dads that have done brilliant things in the bar shirt before but people will come knocking for them because they are huge talents and if they can't see that it's going somewhere so I think they probably can't wait to get to the end of the season and see what Johan Van Grong can do at the end of the season or in pre-season one thing that he probably will be very good at having met him at and spoken to him he is a big like make the club a family and bring everyone closer together and you just get the impression with Bath there's been a little bit of you know people not happy with the situation and things and you almost just need a clean slate and a, and a fresh start and someone coming in and just with a different voice that's going to say right that's right off the last couple of years this is where we start the way Steve Borthwick's done it with Leicester and I think that probably the Bath fans will look at that and say you know look where they were two years ago 18 months ago and look where they are now it is possible as long as you have the right leader in place and you know they'll all be hoping that Johan van Graan's that man um, and Exeter they did go on to win and I think they scored six tries didn't they at the end let's move on then shall we to Worcester Newcastle and um, Steve Diamond oh if I could do a post-match pathetic sorry <laughs> If I could do pathetic. a pathetic with Steve Diamond every week, I'd be more than happy. Yeah, well, pathetic. And what was the other word you used to describe the performance? Disgraceful. How would you describe it, Will? Well, it was good that they were on the park this week, was my first point. I mean, there was no post-match interview to be done last week because there wasn't a game. Uh, it was good, you know, they played, which was something. Um, There's no relegation this season. They'd be right down there if there was. And that's quite a, a heavy home defeat to a team who are also not exactly lighting up the league in Newcastle. So, yeah, Dimes is kind of, I think when he was appointed at Worcester, everyone was pretty intrigued by that and kind of felt like this is the man for that job. But maybe he's realising the scale of the task on his hands at this stage, I reckon. Yeah, he's always kind of refreshingly honest. But I tell you, what, I wouldn't want to be those Warriors going back into training this week. I just wonder whether he might not be as bad as sometimes. Having had that sort of explosion, I'll tell you, they'll all have been panicking all day on uh, Sunday, weren't they? And then sort of, you know, maybe he'll come in and just be almost shock them by being nice uh, <laughs> and saying, right, let's let's put this right. Sometimes my experience of, of the old hairdryer coaches was the worst thing was you never quite knew. So you'd come in thinking, oh, yeah, we played all right. And then you'd get the, you'd get the full treatment and uh, get your feet back on the ground. So you have no use for a hairdryer. You've had no use for a hairdryer. Well, that's what got rid of it. I put it on the wrong setting. <laughs> Um, so yeah look it will be really interesting it'd be also interesting what he does recruitment wise in there now he'll have had a chance to have a look at I mean I don't know the contract situation of their players and stuff but it, he'll have had a look and you sort of get the impression with Dimes you know what he's looking for he's looking for tough people that never give up so it'll be really interesting whether he's highlighted some of those as weaker characters that need to be playing in a side that's winning all the time the other thing that he's always been quite good at is you know finding players that 
maybe other clubs don't want anymore for whatever reason and bringing them in and trying to get the best out of them. But it's going to be fascinating seeing how that relationship goes. I mean, on, on Newcastle as well, as as Will said, you know, they've, they've not been lighting up the league. But I suppose for, for Dean Richards, he'd probably be like, why can't we do this every week? Because again, you just see glimpses, don't you, with the Falcons, but they just can't do it week in, week out for 80 minutes. One of the reasons why what Steve Diamond uh, said rang so true was what Newcastle haven't been doing all season is they'd go through phase after phase after phase and not go anywhere and it just it looked like they had a cheat code at the weekend they were winning every collision they it almost looked really easy for them which i guess is why steve Dyne was so upset but the, the person we should mention around newcastle is george mcguigan who is on absolute fire at the moment i think we worked out last week he's got about i think he's got something like nearly 15 percent of their meters made and line breaks and things. when you say we do you mean like the statisticians at bt or do you mean you <laughs> Oh, me. I I measured, I got my tape measure out on my computer and measured every single one of them. But he's just on fire and it's really good to see actually because a few people expecting big things of him when he joined Leicester and it didn't really go his way and it probably was a lot down to the timing of that and when Leicester weren't playing that well and but he just looks to be loving the sport at the moment and uh, he's got a bit of everything. Power, you know, we see him scoring off the driving malls and breaking out. He runs such intelligent lines and he's a powerful individual that he's always going to make those breaks. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Hi, I'm Lawrence Delalio, and this episode of the Evening Standard Rugby Podcast is brought to you in partnership with QBE Business Insurance. QBE is one of the world's leading insurers, and they will help your business build resilience through risk management and insurance solutions. Okay, we need to speak about Lost and Wasps at King's Home. The Wasps win, was anyone expecting that at King's Home, given that, that Gloucester have been looking so good recently? No, but having said that, you know, Wasps, with a lot of their bodies back, have started looking much more like themselves. I don't think there's a team, we've mentioned all all through that everyone gets injuries, but I don't think there's a team that had as many injuries or as big a percentage of their salary cap injured, uh, if you like, because no Fekatoa, no Barbary, no Launchbury, no Willis. These are all their big game changers and they've come back and they've started much higher percentage of wins since then. But I didn't expect that because, you know, it was at King's Home in particular and how Gloucester have been playing. And probably the most important moment, undoubtedly, was the last play of the game when, you know, we all thought, here we go, Gloucester are going to get one of their driving malls over the line. And was it Fafita who stole the ball and they, they kicked it out? And that was a huge, huge steal. But what a performance from Wasps to go away to King's Home and do that. Absolutely. But And it could be a significant loss for, for the Cherry and Whites. That could be the one that will be kicking them themselves for at the end of the season. Okay, London Irish Harlequins, Michael. I reckon we saw all that was good about the game in that opening 40 minutes. It was just like entertainment, wasn't it, from both sides. It was so good to watch. 
maybe not for the first sort of seven or eight minutes, <laughs> but yeah, after after that, we were we were pretty good. We scored two tries without really firing a shot. We had two big set piece moves that you know hasn't been a real standout characteristic of our performances in our game this year. So that was really pleasing to see. And then yeah, everything just seemed to sort of click. You know, the boys were back. Marcus, Marla, Don Brand. It makes such a difference having guys like that back in the side. And unfortunately, I think for Irish, they came up against a side that was probably ready to start ticking because even in the period over Six Nations, we've been good and we've been winning but yesterday everything sort of came together in a really really pleasing way especially because it was a Sunday against a side who we had already lost to this year and the bonus point was already wrapped up before half time and then from there it was just a case of getting the job done which we ended up doing really nicely well they were just clinical weren't they Quins I think in that first half alone there were like five entries into the 22 and I think they scored off four of them I mean that was the main difference really wasn't it that was like the story of the game I guess we were really clinical yesterday and even we scored when yellow card merchant Danny Kerr offered his <laughs> fifth card of the year we even scored when he was off the pitch as well so no it was good we were singing yesterday actually filming with a little bit of confidence going into this weekend as well oh that's good to hear well Irish um they've been scoring some great tries their, their attack is, has been great this season but it just wasn't working for them was it yesterday for, for whatever reason they're just a bit profligate weren't they and, and they've been such a fun team to watch for the last year I suppose now what's strange is they were really ticking a couple of weeks ago building up to these they've had these two big days in I suppose in, in West London over the last two weekends they had Saints for their Paddy's Day party and then they had the West London derby against Quinns and both games actually they've been blown away a little bit. The club are doing a lot right. The, the club look great from those two games. They've had decent crowds and are starting to feel at home back in West London, I think. But the team who were going so nicely have just misfired a little bit, which is a shame. Uh, and in such a congested league, don't know whether they could afford those two results given where they were tracking before that. Uh, do you know, I, I'm getting really frustrated with, in interviews because I keep on asking, you know, about the run-in and the teams that, like, they've got left to play. And genuinely, the DORs are laughing at my questions, not for the first time, but, like, they're literally laughing at my questions because they're like, oh, we don't look forward, we don't look to the future. Ben, please, like, please tell me I'm not going mental because surely the coaches and the players, they have to look, don't they, at the run-ins and who they've got next and what the other teams are doing at this stage of the season? Yeah, so all through the season, the DOR's job, really, if you look at probably the difference between a DOR and a head coach, a DOR's job is to make sure that you're still peaking at the right stage of the season at the back end of the year. The head coach is maybe more focused on winning on Saturday and together they come up with the sort of the plan for that. But they plan the season all through and yes, you have to adapt it as you go along because you lose bodies. But to be fair, they probably are not saying anything to the players bar next week. Uh, the players aren't clever enough to sort of worry about what's happening in two weeks time. But well, you know, you don't you don't want to overload them with information. You don't want them to take their foot off the gas because whatever you do, whatever your planning is, you still want whoever's on the pitch to go full bore. And they, you don't want to think that you're taking this week easy. I don't think come the end of the season, you do take the weeks easy. That, that sort of happens earlier on in the season where you might make some rotations in your squad. This stage of the season, unless there's a game that really you think you can afford to, you want to be getting everyone up at top speed. And that whole thing about worrying Worrying that someone might get injured. I think the coaches that do that aren't usually very successful. I think the ones that tend to, in my experience, that tend to be successful are the ones that can adapt if someone does get injured. And the key, and you know, certain teams have done it well during this season, and actually it's probably the biggest thing that Steve Borthwick's brought to Leicester, is giving enough time to those people that might be needed at the business end of the season if there's an injury, so that it's not a big drop-off. And the strength and depth of the squad is huge at this stage of the season, and making sure that anyone that might have to come in, not only is up to speed as an individual, but knows the system, knows all 
all the players well enough that it's not a huge drop off if you lose one of your star players. Okay, so if we're saying that Leicester, Leicester obviously are, if we're saying Leicester, Saris, and, and probably Quinns now are just safe in that top four. I'd have thought so, yeah. <laughs> okay, so who's getting that fourth spot? Because I'm looking at, I mean, I mean, I'm looking at the table here. You potentially got like six teams that can still make it. Who are you going for for the full spot? We'll start with Will. They're in fourth place at the moment. They've played 21 games, which is as many as anyone in the league. But I am going to go Exeter because they know what they're doing. They looked hot on Saturday and I quite fancy. But they'll just now consolidate that position. They, You know, there's teams around them with games in hand. Northampton look really good as well. But I just, yeah, I fancy that they're going to get a bit between the teeth and sort of steer the ship and just do enough. Michael? Yeah, I think I'm the same as Will. I think you look at the teams around Exeter, Northampton, Sale, Gloucester, they haven't got that premiership pedigree at the back end of the season that I think that Chiefs setup have. Might be a little bit of a boring answer, but I think Exeter will still be there at season's end. Okay, Benny? Yeah, on Friday, I was pretty sure it was going to be Gloucester and then they went and lost <laughs> the table that we're all looking at at the moment. They haven't been awarded their points for the Worcester game. They'll definitely get four. They might might very well get five. And they've still got a game in hand on Exeter as well. And they've been winning games because of the strength of their forward pack added to what we've known they can do in the past. And, you know, they, they had such confidence in their driving wall. So I'm sort of coming around towards Exeter, but they're not the side they were. They don't have that fear factor that every time they get into your five metre zone, they're going to come away with a try. And people thought they were boring. They weren't. They were playing good rugby to get themselves into that position. But then they'd always... So when on the highlights, you'd always see someone picking going over the line. But once they got to that area of the pitch, they would convert the opportunity almost twice as much as anyone else so and they haven't got that so I wouldn't at all make them anywhere near favourites to lift the title they, they might prove me wrong I think they might get in but just to be different from everyone else I'll just stick with Gloucester right okay um, time for us to choose the outstanding player from the weekend outstanding with Fuller's London Pride Michael, I'm taking that you're going to choose a Quinn. I've got two, actually. Um, the two Hughes, Jones and Tizard. Every time I watch you Tizard play, and I'm sure Ben is a former England second row, you're probably looking at him thinking he's going to be a, a pretty serious player. Well, I'm absolutely devastated that he's going at the end of the year, especially with him going north of the river. And then Hugh Jones yesterday as well, slotted in at fullback for the first time, having not sit in there for a while and got himself a couple of tries as well. So they were my two. Mine could easily have been a Quinn. Uh, you got to mention earlier, Danny Kerr had a very, very busy Sunday. But I'm actually going to go for another scrum half Dan Robson just a delightful little cameo for Wasps and in, in Lawrence's absence it feels like we need a bit of Wasps chat here he, he scored an unbelievable drop goal which is kind of in keeping with it I think that's going to be a bit of a trend I think from goal line dropouts and he just knocked it over from sort of 45 metres and just played really nicely to get Wasps that win over Gloucester so I'm going to go Dan Robson I'll go for Ben Earl, who got man of the match on Friday night. And the reason was it was the most physical, traditional purist. We talked about the South Africans. If you're a South African that, you know, literally trying to run over the top of each other, apart from him, who mixed a little bit of that when needed to score his try, just weighed up that he was going to get over the line. But he combined it with some brilliant footwork which was the difference and, and made a couple of really good breaks in the game and as an attacking back row runner there aren't many better in the premiership I thought he had a really good game on Friday night 
we move on then. Move on from the Premiership and we'll talk about the women's Six Nations because that's been in full swing. Um, and we've had some fantastic wins for Wales, France and England over the weekend, Will. And you've been across that for us? Yeah, after two rounds, there's three teams who are two from two and three teams who are none from two. Obviously, that's going to change this coming weekend with the third round. Two games followed the very much expected path with France beating Ireland pretty comfortably and England very, very comfortably beating Italy. So it's 74-0. They made 11 changes, England. Simon Middleton's trying to look at his depth and, and get a sense of quite how deep his squad is. They still managed to score 12 tries, five of them from the wings. They looked in pretty good nick over in Italy. The outstanding game, though, I suppose, was at the Arms Park in Cardiff, where they got a, a record crowd for Wales versus Scotland. Wales got their first home win in three years, but it, it didn't feel like that was going to happen for most of the game. Scotland were 19-7 up. Quite deep into the game, Ronan Lloyd scored twice. But with five minutes to go, Wales got their fourth try. Excuse a bonus point. And then they, they won a turnover with the clock in the red to, to pinch for win. So, yeah, that was a bit of a classic. And as I said, record crowd down there. It was another amazing crowd in France as well. It just feels to me like the Women's Six Nations has gone to another level this year. Big sponsor in TikTok, different time of the year. It feels it's out of the men's competition shadow and it's kind of being watched and, and followed in its own right a little bit more than it maybe ever has been before. And that, that's very, very good to see. Okay, so it's time now to find out a bit more about our featured club podcast. Michael, all eyes, ears are on you. Um, now it's called Two Words, Four Quarters, a Harlequin podcast. As I mentioned earlier, it's now an award-winning podcast. So maybe we should like curtsy or bow. I don't know. It was very impressive uh, win for you last week. That must be really exciting. To tell us, though, a little bit more about the podcast itself. So it's me and my cousin, Will. Our grandfather played the Quinns post-war in the 1950s. So it's sort of been in and around the sort of family and the blood for a while. My dad was a bit more Brighton Hove Albion than at Harlequins when we were growing up, but he's back on the bandwagon over the last couple of years. Will text me, when was it, sort of January time of last year. We're bored, sat in the house, doing nothing in lockdown. He's like, mate, I'm bored out of my mind. We're still watching the games every weekend. Do you want to just jump on the Zoom call and see if we can record something? And I was like, look, I've got nothing else going on. Let's give it a go. And I'm really lucky that Will's job is in social media for Adidas. So he's a bit of a whiz on Twitter and all that kind of stuff, which obviously massively helps us do what we do. So yeah, it's, it's been a bit of a mental sort of couple of years, especially then when we ended up going to the final last year together, even though there were only 10,000 in there. That was quite a cool moment for us both. And then this year we just sort of keep going and it's nice being back in the stands properly and talking to people. And then, you know, we've got a couple of European big away days next weekend as well, which I'm looking forward to. But yeah, it's come out of nowhere, really, this whole sort of storm of it. And we probably picked up at the right time. And then, yeah, 14 a bit months later, here we are with an award. An award where you beat Man U's podcast. Yeah, Man United's. Boston Celtics, New England Patriots and a couple of others from the American sporting world. It was quite funny though because they were advertising the winners on two billboards in the UK for a couple of hours on the Friday and uh, one was in Liverpool which is a little bit too far for me but one was on Chiswick Roundabout which is only about 40 yards from where I work so I thought well I'm, I'm free I better go down. It wasn't exactly Times Square but we'll take it. What's been the highlights during your time of making the podcast? We had Brownie on a couple of weeks ago. I was a little bit embarrassed to say that even as a sort of 10, 12-year-old, probably he well, he was a bit embarrassed showing his age, but I had photos of him in my bedroom wall growing up. So uh, having him on was great. And when he went to Newcastle, I thought we wouldn't get him. And then we had some chat with him and he came on and actually sent, me, sent us a shirt as well, which I've got to uh, put in a frame as well. So yeah, having him on was pretty cool. We spoke to Chris Robshaw, but then probably the highlight off microphone was sitting in the banks of the stoop at two in the morning while all the boys are getting filled in down the patch and we were just absolutely loving it. It was a pretty surreal day, that final day. That's good. Okay, well, I think it's now time, is it, for us to, or for you to test our rugby knowledge? Over the line or in the bin with Fuller's London Pride, the official beer of Premiership Rugby. 
Thanks, Sarah. Uh, so basically, it's our rugby game of true or false, rugby trivia. Lawrence normally gets this wrong, so uh, and he's not here to get it wrong. So I'll be intrigued to see which of you guys messes this up. But I- I'm going to give you a random piece of rugby trivia, and you have to decide whether you think it's true and over the line or false and therefore in the bin. There's no prizes. We're just playing for Lawrence's respect. What? Yes. <laughs> no prizes. Yeah, non-existent. Today's bit of rugby trivia is, and Michael might have a bit of insight into this, the Harlequins prop Shauna Brown scored her first try for England at the weekend in their massive win over Italy. But rugby is not the first sport where she's represented her country. She's also previously represented England at shot put. Is that over the line or in the bin? Over the line. Over the line. Over the line. It's in fact in the bin. You've all been done. Oh no, it was discus hammer throw, wasn't it? Hammer throw. Oh, no. Defense. Oh, okay. He took part in the 2014 Commonwealth Games in Glasgow. Finished I actually saw throw. that interview literally about two weeks ago. Oh, that's <laughs> a shame. Oh, that was yeah. a big it's red herring. I thought you were just gonna. No, no, no. It was a shot put with a chain on it. <laughs> <laughs> At least we all got it wrong. I was just following your lead, Ben. I thought if ben <laughs> it, I, I know what I've, I must stay on side. <laughs> Is that the one question? That's the only question. Uh, we Make one up. Make one up. We'll make another one up <laughs> on the spot. Okay, so we're all losers then. Art Elgin was in a band <laughs> before she was a TV presenter. Was it good or was it terrible? <laughs> Can you name any of the songs? <laughs> it was in the bin, by the way. <laughs> rude um okay thank you guys and um, that's all for this episode then thanks to ben will and michael so the podcast now takes a break for a couple of weeks but lawrence hopefully uh, will be returning for the last week of april to discuss round 23 of the premiership so do make sure you subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss the next episode but uh, yeah thanks for listening and thank you guys for your company we'll see you soon thanks lol <laughs> Lawrence Delalio's Rugby Podcast, supported by Fuller's London Pride, the official beer of Premiership Rugby. Hi, I'm Lawrence Delalio, and this episode of the Evening Standard Rugby Podcast is brought to you in partnership with QBE Business Insurance. QBE is one of the world's leading insurers, and they will help your business build resilience through risk management and insurance solutions. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com.